Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright. And this is the video teaching series, The Biblical Principle Governing the Eyes. This is lesson number 25. And the title of this lesson is The Imaginations of the Heart. Beginning reading with Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 21. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Put your burnt offerings under your sacrifices and eat flesh. For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this thing I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. But hearken not, nor nor incline, they, but they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward. Since the day your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt unto this day, I have even sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending. Yet they hearkened not unto me, nor inclined their ear, but hardened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Therefore they shall speak all these words unto them. Thou shalt speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken to thee. Thou shalt also call unto them, but they will not answer thee. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and cut off in from their mouth. <sighs> what 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 how disappointing this has to be for God. How very disappointing it has to be for him. After all he's invested. In, in the Hebrew children in the Old Testament. After all he's done and demonstrated himself, after all the miracles he performed to deliver them out of Egypt, to bring them into the promised land, all of the miracles of provision, all of the miracles, miraculous victories that God gave them, the things they saw that men have never seen before or since. And yet, they didn't listen. The Lord said here, uh, when you first came out of Egypt, I didn't talk to you about burnt offering or sacrifices. I just wanted you to obey my voice. What is the purpose of the, the sacrifices that were a part of the law? To It was so that their, they would not be judged for their sins then because the scripture says the soul that sinneth shall surely die. And so the purpose of sacrifices was to enable their sins to be rolled forward unto Calvary so God wouldn't have to pour out judgment on them right then. But he didn't start with the, the sacrifices. He started with his voice. He started by speaking to them saying, what I ask of you is just obey me. Obey my voice. I love you. I, I, I brought you out. You're my people. You're my people. But my people won't follow me and won't listen to my voice. What have they done? They've not hearkened. They've not inclined their ear. 
but they walked in the councils, their own councils. And what were those councils? The councils and the imaginations of their evil heart. And what was the result of that? They went backward and not forward. My friend, my brother, my sister, it is impossible to refuse to listen to the voice of God and go forward in your life. Oh, it may appear momentarily for a period of time that you're going forward. It may appear that way, but trust me, you're not going forward. You're going backwards. If you're not moving toward God, then you're moving away from God. What did Jesus say? If you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not actively with me, then you are against me. If you're not actively gathering with me, then you're scattering abroad. If I'm not moving toward God, I'm moving away from him. From him. There's no place where I could be dead in the water. There's no neutral ground. I'm either moving toward God or I'm moving away from God. And what was the root condition and activity that they did that caused them to move away from God? What was it? What was it? But they hearkened not. The first thing was they chose not to listen to God. Well, who were they going to listen to? They listened to their own counsels and imaginations of their evil heart. Why? Because the evil imaginations and counsel of their heart was telling them what they wanted to hear. You can live like this, it's okay. You can do this, it's okay. You can, you can do all of this stuff. Indulge yourself. Give yourself to it. Give yourself to it. It's okay. It's going to be all right. It's, that's a lie. It's a lie. That's a lie. It's a lie. If I'm not following the voice of God, Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And how am I led by the Spirit of God? By the Spirit of God's talking to me, by the voice of God. That's still true today. It's always been true. God's primary way of leading his people is speaking to them. And he was so desirous of us following his voice, he actually writ, wrote down what he said. And what he wrote down applies to everybody because it's the forever settled word. My word, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. So when I'm reading the word, I'm actually hearing the recorded voice of God. And if I'm not giving myself to him so that I'm following the written word by his grace, I'm never going to become sensitive to his, to the living voice speaking to me. The Greek word, there's a couple of Greek words we translate by the English word W-R-D, but the two primary ones from our perspective is logos and rhema. Logos is, uh, is essentially the forever settled word. In the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God, and he created everything by logos. The infinite eternal God became Logos, so that he could interact with finite and temporal time and therefore man. Logos, it all happened through Logos. For the, the Logos is the forever settled word. But Rhema, 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the, not logos, but the rhema of God. What if I'm not listening to the rhema of God? The rhema of God is the utterance of the living voice. But here's the, here's what this is all about. If I don't know the logos and I don't listen to the logos, I will never recognize accurately and consistently the rhema because God's living voice speaking to my spirit by his spirit is never going to say anything in contradiction to the forever settled word. That's why he gave this to us because of this, this right here. This flesh, if the flesh doesn't have anything to that's solid and unchangeable and eternal to judge everything in this temporal life by, then we're, we are unstable. We're bouncing off the walls, so to speak, here and there, scattered when he saw the multitude and they were fainting and, and scattered abroad because they were sheep having no shepherd. There was no voice of God in their life. And that's what the Lord said here in Jeremiah 7, verse 25. He said, 24 again, but they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and the imagination of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward. Why? Since the day your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt, unto this day have I have even sent unto you my servants the prophets, daily rising up and early and sending them. Yet they hearkened not unto me, nor inclined their ears, but hardened their neck. They did not, they did worse than their fathers. Wait, 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 wait. He sent them prophets. The prophets spoke to them. And the Lord didn't say they didn't hearken unto the prophets. The Lord said they didn't hearken unto me. Now, I know, I know, I know. There are supposed, some supposed men of God that, you know, and the book says that the blind lead the blind. They're both going to fall in the ditch. And so, uh, there are some men who have been men of God or no longer men of God and men who have been men, men of God who, whose lives completely went into the toilet and they continued preaching. I realize that if you want an excuse to not listen to a man of God so that you can live your way and not have to change, you can find an excuse. But there are men of God today who are speaking the word of God. And when you don't hear what they have to say, it's not them you're not listening to. It's God you're not listening to. It's not them. I, you know, I'm just a man. And this voice that's being recorded is just a human voice. But if the words are coming from God, and if I'm a conduit of what he's wanting to say, and you don't listen to this, it's not me you're not listening to. It's him that you're not listening to. And what's the direction you're going to go? Backward, not forward. That's what the word says. The Lord said to Jeremiah, I'm going to give you stuff to say, and you're going to say it, but they're not going to listen to you. You're going to call unto them, but they're not going to respond. And you're going to say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and cut off from their mouth. They can't even speak truth anymore. They don't even recognize truth. They say stuff that's lies because they've deluded. They don't have a love for the truth. Therefore, strong illusion came to them. Now they believe the delusion is truth. And there's no way back because they don't have a love for the truth. What a dangerous place to get into. 
It's eternally fatal. Now, I may not always like everything I hear, but if God's speaking, I want to hear it. I want to hear somebody's going to preach to me what I need to hear, not going to tickle my ears, pat me on the back, change my diaper, and tell me everything's okay. When in here, I know it's okay, not okay, and I need somebody to talk to me. My soul needs somebody to talk to me because I need to hear the voice of God. I need to hear the voice of God. I need preachers that are going to preach to me and it's not going to be their sermons and it's not going to be their words. I need somebody that will speak to me the voice of God because I need to be able to hear the voice of God because hearing and obeying the voice of God is the only way I can be saved. It's the only way I can have faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the rhema of God, the spoken word of God. It's the only way. Okay, let's go on. Romans chapter 1, let me read earlier in that chapter where we didn't read in previous lessons. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I'm going to read several verses here. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. Wait a minute. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. The gospel is the means whereby I can have the righteousness of God revealed to me from faith to faith that I might walk by faith in that righteousness. Because the wrath of God is revealed against those who are ungodly and unrighteous who suppress the truth in unrighteousness to justify themselves so they can continue to live like they're living. How? Why? Why would people suppress the truth? They who hold the truth in unrighteousness, King James. The word hold there means to suppress, to hide, to not make visible. Well, they they can't preach convictions to somebody else for their sins if they're not convicted of their own sins because they're ungodly. And godliness is our God towardness. So ungodliness is our untoward God. We're being untoward God. And our unrighteousness is when we're walking in our own sight, doing what we think is right. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Why? How did they get there? Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. For God had showed it unto them. They saw it. Maybe they didn't see it with their natural eyes, but they saw it with their spiritual eyes. They saw what might be manifest of God. God made it known to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Why? Because that, when they knew God, They glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Well, you know what? We could read this and say, well, this bunch of sinners in this world, look at them. No. No, he's talking about those that at one time had experienced the invisible of God. The Spirit of God came into them. 
They experienced the miraculous thing of speaking a language they did not intellectually know and understand. God speaking through them. They experienced that. Because that when they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God. They served and worshipped the creator, creator more than the creator. And they put themselves in that position. And they weren't thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations, empty, worthless, useless, wicked, idolatrous in their imaginations. And when they did that, their foolish heart became dark. Well, that, what happened then? Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the image of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature, the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. And how did they get here? Because they looked away from God and seeing God and the things of God to seeing the world and the things of this world. And they began to worship the things of this world. Well, I'm not worshiping this world, no. But what I give myself to, the word worship in both the Hebrew and the Greek primarily means literally to prostrate oneself. So worship is whatever I lay down before. Whatever I give myself over to, that's worship. Whatever I eventually come under the power of, that's worship. The word there comes from what a person would do when they came in before a king. They would lay down before that king on their face with their arms stretched out over their heads. Why? Because that is a totally surrendered and defenseless position. You're no threat to the king in that. That that posture eventually came to be called worship. Doing homage before the king. Worshiping the king. So they worshiped the things of this world. When you submit to and you come with the influence of and eventually you surrender to the things of this flesh, of the flesh and of this world, you're not worshiping God anymore. You're not worshiping God anymore. The problem is they, they reached a place where their heart was so darkened that the truth they saw in that darkness was a lie. They believed it, but it was a lie. And because they believed this lie in this darkness and did not have the light to show them that that darkness was not of God, they professed themselves to be wise, but they became fools. The fool has said in their heart, there is no God. And so they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like unto corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts. We worship the creature today. We don't worship the creator. And why is it that all of this stuff that, that appeals to my eyes and appeals to my flesh is trying to get me to prostrate myself before those things so that I become their servants. I become their servant. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. The scripture says again, the Lord said, I will not always strive with man. I will not always strive with man. 
I will not always strive with man. Jesus' name. You don't have an unlimited amount of time. I don't have an unlimited amount of time to walk in this direction. When God has tried to get me like that, that scriptures we read from Jeremiah 7, he kept sending prophets and they wouldn't listen. And finally he said, I'm done. I'm done. And so he said here, he gave them up. God gave them up. Later in the chapter, he gave them over. He took his hands off and said, I'm not talking to you about this anymore. There's no more restraint. You wanted it. You got it. You're going to the depth of it. And you won't have any restraint going to the depth of it now because I've given you over to it. You wouldn't listen to me. I tried and tried and tried and tried and tried, and you wouldn't listen. I'm done. I'm done. (sighs) Based on these things, it's quite obvious that whatever passes through the eyes and into the soul matters a great deal. Our eyes instigate and feed the mental imagery of our thoughts. We call these fantasies or we call this fantasizing. And then the soul must decide what to do about these things. <laughs> Our eyes open us up to things. And then we continue to indulge our eyes in that. And that feeds the mental imagery where we now become involved emotionally and physically to some degree. And our souls now got to decide whether it's going to get to finally give itself over to all this strong influence or is am I going to renounce it and give myself to God? Well, let me tell you something. The pleasure of the flesh is so addicting that you cannot walk away from it without it being a work of God. It has to be a work of God. God has to accomplish that. That's why repentance is even called a gift in at least two places in the scriptures, that God granted repentance. That's a gift. What does that mean? It means I can't repent just because I want to. Esau tried to repent. It didn't work. He sought a place of repentance carefully with tears, but he couldn't find it because I can't repent when I'm ready. I can't com- commit uh, repent on my timetable. I can only repent when God's dealing with me. Well, the problem is, I watch, my soul feeds on that, I'm fantasizing. And what does the Lord say? The Lord God said, Genesis eleven six, that he's given man the ability to do all that he could imagine to do. So we now are in a position where we can, we can do anything virtually. Anything. How well this explains the overwhelming allure of video games. Players can virtually or vicariously become someone else and do things that they could not or would never do themselves or so they tell themselves. Sexting and webcams enable virtual fornication that results in actual sin without the need to be physically joined and participants to come and think it's okay because it's all on the internet. So they come to think, we're, so we're not really doing anything bad. This is our business. It's in our own private, it's in privacy. It's our own place. 
We're not doing that. Really? Then why do they consider uh, doing sex work, including those people that have a web account where you pay and they perform for you live on the Internet? Why do they call that sexting or sex work, just like those in the strip clubs or those that sell their bodies for the actual act? What's the difference, please, between going to a strip club and watching some woman strip and fantasizing about her and watching it on the Internet? The virtual world lets us do it privately. Here's the undeniable fact of our present world. The virtual world stimulates the real. Or, excuse me, the virtual world simulates the real. The definition of simulation is, get this, the virtual world, that's the purpose of it. The virtual world simulates the real. The definition of simulation is imitation or enactment as of something anticipated or in testing. Second definition, the act or process of pretending or feigning. Third definition, an assumption or imitation of a particular appearance or form, counterfeit, a sham. How about I'm simulating being a Christian, but I fellowship with all kind of sin on a regular basis. Finally, the last definition. Simulation is the representation of the behavior or characteristics of one system through, through the use of another system, especially a computer program designed for the purpose. So the virtual world simulates the real. And whether it's a video game or it's a, uh, uh, some other activity or I'm watching something recorded or live, It's the virtual world, and it allows me to participate without doing the actual physical act. But I'm participating, and my participation is an act, and the act is sin. This is a powerful statement. Thus, simulation leads to stimulation because of imagination. Simulation leads to stimulation because of imagination. Thus, in our world, fantasizing has never been more real. It's never been more real. And there are some people who spend so much time in the virtual world, they don't even know how to interact with the real world anymore, the real temporal world. Forget interacting with the real eternal world, the spiritual world. They spend so much time in the virtual world, and 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 uh, the uh, police forces of our nation and psychologists have said that this is all so desensitized people that because of all the internet and because of all the video games, that killing somebody in real life is it's not even real. It's not real to me. I live in a virtual world, and killing somebody in a virtual world, killing somebody in the real life, it's all the same. It's all the same. It's the same. How a child of God could spend time getting entertainment out of killing people. 
I do not know. Again, this is about principles, not rules. But if that was real life, would you do it? If you did it, would it be okay with God? Well, it wouldn't be okay with man. Oh, I know, I know there are war games that you can play. So you're doing the righteous thing and defending your country, really. Okay. Okay. Now, there are flight simulators. And uh, as a former pilot trainee, uh, I know that you have to get so many hours to stay current and continue to have your pilot's license. And nowadays, the flight simulation is so real, they will actually let you count those flight simulation hours against your real flying time. And your instructor can put you through emergencies in the simulator that he would never consider putting you through in real instruction in the air. So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good that we have learned through all of this. Doctors can practice surgeries by simulation and learn how to do that. Dentists can practice dentistry through simulation. Everything today can be simulated. And it's a good thing if it's used like it's supposed to be used. But if we get so immersed in it that we cross a line into simulating that which God is against, how can we feel like we're fellowshipping with God? He won't, you know, God won't fellowship with that which is not right. He won't. And if I want to fellowship with God, I can't fellowship with that stuff habitually. I can't do it. God won't let me. So in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, I'm asking you to pray. And I'm praying with you that God would convict us and help us that we would want to live in the real world far more than we want to live in the virtual world. And that by His grace, we will not participate in things in the virtual world that we would not participate in in the real world and expect to be saved and please God. In Jesus' name, let that be so. In Jesus' name, let that be so. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 